Welcome to episode 29 of Paper Talk, a monthly series of podcast interviews featuring artists and professionals who are working in the field of hand paper making and paper art. I'm Helen Hebert, and today I'm talking with the Adams family, who run Paper for Water, a nonprofit organization that raises money to build wells around the world so that everyone will have access to clean water. Listen to Isabel and Catherine describe how they started the organization with a goal of raising $500 by folding origami ornaments and accepting donations for them when they were just five and eight years old. They ended up raising $10,000 and have never looked back. Paper for Water has now raised more than $1.3 million and has helped fund over 150 water projects in 14 countries. Trinity talks about how she invented the candy dish, which is featured in the 2019-12 months of Paper Calendar. Their father, Ken, taught the girls origami, which he learned as a child from his Japanese mother, and then from the books of Tomoko Fuse, whose modular origami led to the ornaments his girls now create. And their mother, Deborah, tells us about some of the projects, the volunteers, and just how much of a difference kids can make in changing the world. Hey, Paper for Water, welcome to Paper Talk. It's so exciting to have you on today. And I'm here with Isabel, Catherine, and Trinity Adams right now. And hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, Isabel, can you take me back to the beginnings of Paper for Water and tell me how you, two girls, right? Trinity was just a baby, I think. Learned. She was one. Okay. How you, uh, how Paper for Water got started? Yeah, so when we were really little, we actually had a good friend of ours who told us about the world water crisis and that kids our age don't get to go to school because they're sick from dirty water or they spend their entire day hauling water. And we had just recently actually learned how to fold origami and decided that we were going to make and sell origami pieces to raise money for some sort of charity. And after learning about the world water crisis, we decided that that was what we wanted to help with. Mm-hmm. And it originally was supposed to be a one-month project. We were going to make 40 to 50 ornaments and sell them over the course of a month at Starbucks and then raise maybe $500 to $1,000 to fund part of a well in Ethiopia. And by the first night that we sold them, we actually sold out and raised over $800 and it was at that point kind of that we began began to realize that this is a lot bigger than we thought it was going to be. And by the end of the year, we started we started November 3rd. And by the end of December, we'd actually raised $10,000 to fund an entire water project. And we overfunded that well. And we decided to fund another well, which we then proceeded to overfund as well. And it kind of just kept going and here we are almost seven years later, so. Right, that's incredible. So what kind of things did you fold? You know I'm interested in paper and my listeners are interested in paper. So what were, what were you folded origami ornaments? Yes. So at the time I was five, so um, complicated things were a little bit out of my league, but I really enjoyed folding like animals. I folded a lot of cranes mm-hmm. and just some simpler, simple, simple, eh simple modular ornaments yes that's usually what we do we do a lot of just modular origami 
because they they're round so they look like christmas ornaments so right well, that's incredible they just held up one we'll have to put a photo of that ornament and some of your other ornaments on the, uh, in the show notes um and so uh when did it change to a nonprofit? like how did you start well, so officially it became a nonprofit in 2012 into the, like end of 2012 okay. but it's always been a nonprofit. money for it. yeah we've always given the money we raise away to fund water projects so tell me did you go to ethiopia or i know you've gone to some of the projects catherine can you describe uh, so, the project you visited so in 2013 or is it? Yeah. yeah. So in 2013, we went to India and we just got to see a bunch of the schools that we helped to fund walls at in an orphanage. And that was the first time that I had gotten to see like poverty and kind of mm -hmm. a third world country. And it was just an amazing experience because we got to meet the kids that we were helping and the families and kind of just hear how clean water had impacted their lives. And then last year, we actually traveled for eight months okay. and got to visit water projects all around the world. And that's, we actually did go to Ethiopia. However, oh. we were unable to visit our original well because there was some sort of tribal disagreement that made it really dangerous to go to that area. Oh. So we were unable to visit the first well, but we did see some, we did see other wells there. So, Uh-huh. And uh, how do you, identify the projects that you're supporting so the first one we just spun a globe and that's uh -huh. where our finger landed but now we actually partner with an organization called living water international and they're in charge they we work with them for all of our international projects we actually there's another organization we work with dig deep for our domestic projects but living water international at the beginning of each year they give us a list of water projects that haven't been funded yet and we just choose from that list based on where we think will be the most effective. Uh-huh. Okay. And how many projects are going on right now? Currently this year, I think we're doing... We're doing at least 19 projects overseas. Yes. Right. Cool. And I want to hear from you two, and then I'm going to talk to Trinity about the, I was really impressed with the Neiman Marcus Christmas tree. Tell me about that. That was last year, right? Yes. yes. So last year we got to decorate the downtown Neiman Marcus Christmas tree and it was over 300 ornaments and they were beautiful ornaments mm -hmm. and it actually went in their catalog as a Neiman Marcus fantasy gift. And so it was a fifty thousand. Yes, which sold. sold. And it's a fifty. And it was a fifty thousand dollar tree, and so it was just it was beautiful. It was probably one of the most beautiful origami things, anything that we've ever done before. It was amazing. We had so many volunteers help us with that project. It was just it was incredible. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. You have a lot of volunteers. So just to do that project, how did that get orchestrated? So, so oh, go ahead. So we have actually a volunteer in Oklahoma, and she is amazing. She's a cloister nun, so she can't leave her convent. But she just loves holding origami and uh -huh. so passionate. And she prays over every single piece of paper that she folds. 
And so for that Neiman Marcus um, tree, it was the majority of them were hers. Uh-huh. And so once every two months, she'll send us a huge box just filled with these beautiful ornaments that she's done. Yes. And then we have, there's a Russian origami artist who actually moved to California recently. And she has been a huge volunteer for us. She's given us a lot of origami pieces. She's actually working with us right now on an installation that we're doing at an Asian art museum in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so she's, she does a lot of tessellations. Uh-huh. And, um, then our sort of core group of volunteers, they're called the paper dolls. And uh-huh. they meet every week and fold origami for us. And they, they're the ones who do the majority of our big major projects. They're the ones who folded the 3000 ornaments for Neiman's last year. And they're amazing. It's, it's incredible. We would not be able to do what we do without them. Right. And what's the Russian artist's name? People might be interested. Ekaterina Lukasheva. She has a bunch of really cool she has, books. Yeah, she has some, some amazing origami books. Okay, great. Yes. Um, let me talk to Trinity for a second. Is she there? Yes, is she, she is here. And by the way, Katerina also has a really cool website, and it's kusudama.me. So kusudama.me. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes too. All right, T. Awesome. Okay, here is Trinity. Hi, Trinity. Hi. What grade are you in? Third. Third grade? Awesome. And how old were you when you started folding origami? About five. About five? Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy you designed that cool candy dish for the 12 months of paper calendar. Thank you. And what do you have on your fingers? Is that origami? Yes. yes. <laughs> she, she actually, I think she designed those too, didn't you? They're, oh sort of claw like a dragon like a talon uh-huh dragon claws dragon claws stick on your fingers but it's hard to fit them on because they're made of tape oh i see well those are neat what how did you design the candy dish is that from another fold that you learned and you were kind of playing around with well what time of year was it when we went to that school where we folded paper and we gave them that soccer ball. Oh, that sure. probably yeah. yeah. About last last year in June. In June. Um, is that why you put me in the June part? April, May. No, no. <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> but in well, May or June. in May or June, <laughs> we went to this place and we were in Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe, and. <sighs> I kind of felt like I was tired of standing on my foot feet, so I sat over at a rock and just sat, and I was like, oh, I feel like inventing something. Uh-huh. So I started out by folding, I was trying to make a cootie catcher, and it ended up very terrible, so uh-huh. I decided to unfold it and do something different, but it actually ended up being that. That's so cool, and you know, when I folded it the first time, I could see your uh, amazement your invention because when you unfold it is when you see what it is. That's Mm -hmm. so neat. And another cool thing is you can refold it and it won't rip or tear because the paper is so thick when you do that. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. 
and what was the candy that you put in the video, which was so cute? Uh, uh, Japanese candy. <laughs> cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it's great to talk to you girls, and I'm going to talk to your mom for a little bit now, too, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Okay. Bye. Well, tell me about your background and how this all got started, because I think it's because of you. Well, I would give a lot of credit to my husband. Uh-huh. Okay. He's half Japanese, and he's actually the one who began teaching him how to do the kusadama origami, the modular origami. But I lived in Japan for two years after college. I was on the JET program. Okay. So I learned to do some origami, nothing complicated. Mm -hmm. But love Japan. Um, I think that led me to marrying Ken. And uh, so I think the girls explained it a little bit. But Isabel started school at 8. Catherine started at 9. And the mornings, Ken would do carpool. Okay. He'd drop off. Isabel and then go to the workroom at church with Catherine and just fold paper with her. Oh. So he began teaching her how to do some of the different folds and how to assemble them. And then they had done some other craft projects where they'd use those to raise money for some other charities. Okay. And so this was just okay. going to be one month. Right. Make a craft, raise a little money, give it away and not last for seven years. <laughs> Take over your whole life and your house. All right. So, you know, that's how it got started, just as a very simple project. Right. And so did you meet Ken in Japan or somewhere else? No, I met him here back in the U.S. through okay. my sister. They were both in medical school at the same time. Okay. So after your trip to Japan. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um. And, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the origami designs. So Ken started teaching them. And then have you collaborated with other origami artists or? Well, a little bit. Um, we've gotten permission from some different artists to use some of their designs for, um, for example, the girls did an exhibit at, the Paper Discovery Museum in Wisconsin. Uh -huh. And so we used a design from a couple of couple designs from different artists to have a little station at the end of the exhibit where kids could sit down and make their own origami pieces and follow those instructions. Um, and then we also, of course, work with the Katarina Lukasheva. Uh -huh. Great. The kids adore her. And she's really young and an absolute genius and amazing. Has a great heart. And Aww. she connected us to two um, Carmelite nuns in Oklahoma. And the girls talked a little bit about um, right. And so they're wonderful volunteers also. And we try to go up and visit them once a year. And we were with them a couple months ago in the summer. And spent some had a lot of fun folding origami with them and learning from them. Uh -huh. um, so just anybody who wants to help a lot, we have volunteers from all over. We even had some people who volunteered last year who were working in Hong Kong for Fossil. Wow! Mm -hmm. And so they they just send you the origami. Is that what they did? They they folded. Um, they folded pieces and then mailed them back, and then our volunteers here assembled them. 
Right. And it seems like things kind of happen organically. It's like you have organic. <laughs> you have projects going on and then something leads to something else. Yes. And I, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of listeners out there, your listeners may not, they may not be Christians. They may not believe in God, but this project will make you believe. Uh-huh. I can tell you countless times where an opportunity comes along. We have no idea how we'll have the time or the resources to accomplish it, but, or the ability. Mm-hmm. And every single time the right person or group is just appears, steps in and it, it always works just so the Hong Kong volunteers, the girls had it. Uh, they spoke at the international day of the girl event at the fossil headquarters uh-huh. here in Dallas. And while we were there, they said, we want to get some of our employees in Hong Kong involved and have them help. And there were a lot of them that have four offices there. And I thought, what in the world are we going to do with all those folded pieces? Right. That's a lot of paper. Yeah. And so sure enough, it was, I think, two weeks after they mailed the pieces back, we needed them to complete an order for 500 ornaments of the same fold that they had been working on. Wow. We could have never done it without that. And and that had to get lined up well in advance of that order coming through. But it's just amazing. Every, all the time. That right. We right. have a, a new thing this year called the Christmas Tree Project, uh-huh. where a company or a family that wants to have paper for water uh, do ornaments to decorate their Christmas tree. Um, so we have a couple companies that have signed up for paper for water ornaments this year. And there are just so many things going on. I was getting a little stressed out about one of the trees. When are we going to have time to make all those ornaments? That same week, someone in California emailed. She found out about us online. And she said, I have some paper I'd like to fold for you. Could you use this? It's the exact colors we needed for that tree. Wow. (laughs) It just kind of always comes together. and. Right. Amazing. Right. So for the Christmas tree project, you did someone, uh, do they have specifications then? Like you said, the colors, it's supposed to be certain colors. So if for anybody who orders early enough, or if we have the inventory, Uh you could do say your company logo colors, or if you wanted to have a certain color theme for the tree, we can do that. Okay. And mm-hmm. so what is the donation for a Christmas tree? So anywhere between $5,000 and $50,000. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. And how many orders do you have right now? We are working on two trees mm-hmm. for, for that project. Mm-hmm. And then we're also working on doing a tree for the four seasons out in Las Colinas. They have, almost a thousand people that come to have thanks a Thanksgiving meal. Uh-huh. And so they're going to give, um, do some PR material for each diner and then carry their ornaments and their, or ornaments in their gift shop and then have trees displayed in the lobby area. And then those, if somebody wanted to take one of those home, they could for a donation. Wow. Hey listeners, let's take a little break here, and I want to let you know that the 2019 12 Months of Paper calendar is now available. 
I'm delighted to announce that I'm donating $5 from each calendar sale to Paper for Water, and I hope you'll join me by making a purchase today. Join a DIY paper community and create fun and beautiful paper objects for your home or to give us gifts with this combination how-to book and calendar. The calendar is filled with 12 fun paper projects for the whole family to create together, and an additional paper pack features a curated collection of decorative papers from around the world. If you're listening to this podcast before October 22, 2019, there's also a free gift with every purchase. Go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash 12 months of paper, spell out the word 12, to get your calendar and a free gift. Now back to the show. So tell me about a couple of the projects that are going on now. I know there's one local or local national in in America. You were telling me a little bit about water projects. Yes. Yes. So about four years ago, we found out one of our board members found out that there were people right here in our own country that didn't have clean water. Mm -hmm. And so we, um, just picked up the phone and called Dig Deep, which is an organization based out of California. And at the time, they were doing both international and U.S. projects. They had just started helping in the United States because they also had recently found out that there were people, you know, U.S. citizens that didn't have running water. So we called and we said, hey, we'd like to help somehow. Mm-hmm. Didn't exactly know what that was going to entail or look like. But we thought, well, maybe we could make an ornament that looks kind of like pottery. And um, so we found out about um, a company that can do any kind of designs out of and fabric and paper. And so we bought some Navajo design paper and made some ornaments to raise some funds for them. And oh, then so are, you saying, are you saying the company uh, designed the origami or it's the paper that's the printed? paper? The paper. Okay. What company is that? I'm trying to remember. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> I, can, I can find out and let you yeah. know. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, is it Spoon? Spoon Flower. Okay. Spoon Flower. And they actually, they made a donation to us for the initial paper so we could test it out and see if it would oh, work. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. And then that led to the girls being on um, Nickelodeon on their Halo Effect show. Uh-huh. And so much fun. And through them, we were able to donate $10,000 towards families there on the um, Navajo Reservation in New Mexico to get some running water in their homes. And then... Um, and that also led to Kleenex getting involved and doing a commercial on the internet. And if you go to uh, YouTube and you search Kleenex, the gift of water, you can see that video. And that was a super fun project. We did that with Dig Deep and we uh, sent the family off to Albuquerque to do volunteer work. and. Why they were gone for three days, got some running water into their house, and they came home and we got a big surprise. And there were tears, of course, and Kleenex needed. Uh-huh. And it was just so much fun. And it was, we did it during spring break. Uh-huh. And it was really cold. And 
we were all really cold and almost on the verge of being a little bit physically miserable sometimes. Yeah. And it was just interesting because we were in New Mexico, which meant we weren't too far away from a lot of ski resorts. And a lot of my girls' friends were skiing, uh-huh. and, you know, and I just kept waiting for them to say, Mom, how come we're doing this? It's so cold. And all our friends are skiing. Why are we doing this? But they never asked that. And at the end of the three days, after the family came back and they got to meet them and see their reaction and mm. play with their kids, they said, Mom, this was the best spring break ever. Oh, that's so it was, wonderful. It was great. It was just great. And the, and the young, one of the youngest kids, she, um, they had stayed at a hotel in Albuquerque. And she said it was the first time, I think she was six or seven, mm-hmm. the first time she'd ever taken a bath in a real bathtub. Right. And she said that the hotel was like a mansion. Uh-huh. And, wow. uh, yeah, it was just great for my kids to hear that from another child. Right, right. And now what kind of running water do they have in their home? Does she, do they have a bathtub in that home, or is it just a shower? They have a shower. Or in a sink. Uh-huh. So the, the situation there is that the groundwater supply is contaminated with uranium from the mining. Right. And so to do a, a deep water well to the aquifer, which is like 3,000 feet down, they're up on the Continental Divide, is extremely expensive. Right. And so this is not a solution that I think most Americans would be okay with, but it's a lot better than the old situation which was buckets and jugs of water stacked up you know in this family stacked up in a in their kitchen you you see it in the video and you know barrels large barrels that people would have water delivered to at their home and just the challenge of getting that from a barrel and being out in the winter and having water freeze and so now what people have is an underground in in ground tank that way it won't freeze. Mm-hmm. That holds about 1,200 gallons of water. And then for homes without electricity, they have a solar panel. They have a pump that brings that water into the house, and they have a sink and a shower. And then a food-grade water truck comes out and fills that tank up at least once a month. Right. So it's still not nearly the amount of water that most people use, which is about 100 gallons plus a day. Right. But it allows them to use more than what they were doing, which was about seven gallons a day. Right. And, um, yeah. So it's very challenging, mm-hmm. still, I think, but it's a lot better than it was. Right, right. And tell okay. me about it. Oh, sorry, go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, and then the homes, you know, that have a solar panel, they also can have a light bulb and right. enough um, charge to charge up a cell phone. So that's an improvement also. Right. Excellent. I was just going to say, talk about one, one of the most interesting projects in another country. Mm. Well, it's, it's interesting how so many of them are different. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most impactful experiences we had was when we were in Ethiopia and we went to see a project and we were with the country director of Ethiopia for Living Water International. 
And he told us, he said, you know, when we came out to research this project, we knew we had to help these people because, and one of the women who he had met was there when we went to visit the water project. And she had told him how they had been straining the water to get the worms out. Mm. And that three of her children had died from drinking that water. Mm. Wow. And that, you know, just to know that now that the water is safe. Right. And those kids are going to be okay if they drink it. Right. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Can't imagine. Yeah. I just can't imagine. Um, When we were in Peru visiting projects, that was also just just unbelievable. We went to a community that has clean, safe water now. Uh But when we got there, the stench of the water off the river, Uh I just, I can't imagine that that's what they've been drinking with. And just, but there's still so much need. Sure. So right. much need. There were uh, tribal chiefs who walked up to six hours through the jungle to come to a meeting and ask for a water project for their community. Uh-huh. And you know that it really helps and they understand the impact if they're willing to make a journey like that. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, sometimes people will say to us, oh, you know, people don't really want you to come in and change what's going on. They don't really want the help. But when their kids are sick uh-huh. and when people die yeah. and they, they, they are educated about hygiene and sanitation and they understand and they, they just get it. And they were willing to come and, and ask for help. And you just want to help everybody, but we just have to, you know, that's what can be overwhelming. There's a oh. lot I need. I'm just right. people. Right, and probably not achievable in our lifetimes. Even. Oh, we want to finish this in our You're life. You're going to finish it, yes. We're, we want to be part of it. We uh-huh, really think uh-huh. it can happen. Uh-huh. There are about 14,000 water charities in the United States, and there are just so many groups working on this. I think it could happen. I think it could happen definitely in my kid's lifetime, right. and that's their right. dream is to see every person end up with with safe water. Right. So we'll see. That's cool. That's cool. So let's talk a little bit more about, I know one of your mission points is uh, entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, certainly your girls are entrepreneurs. <laughs> and uh, how, do you, how do you see that playing out? Well, we actually have a brand new paper for water club that just started up at a school in Florida. Mm-hmm. And so the girl who started it, she has just picked it up and gotten people done. She's done presentations. She's gone out to look for companies that might do a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And she has figured out how to fold, assemble, put tassels and beads on, the full ornament. Uh-huh. So I think that most kids that we interact with, they absolutely respond and they want to help. Right. And if they're allowed to, they're, they can do anything. 
It's Isabel and Catherine and Trinity are not special in that way. Mm-hmm. Any kid can do this, but they have to have the time. If your child is so overscheduled, there's no window of opportunity for them to kind of push out and do their own thing and take some ownership, then it just won't happen. Right. Any opportunity. All I think every kid has the heart. Of and course. And they really do believe that they can make a difference. And they actually are. This girl in Florida, she's going to change some people's lives. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's better than that. So how did you connect with her? I know you, I, I've seen some, some kids profiled on your website, but how does that yeah. connection happen with her, for well, example? So she actually was an easy connection in that her mother went to college with me and they happened to be driving through Dallas. We weren't in Dallas when they were there here, but they came to a volunteer event that we had at the Galleria um, Dallas, the shopping mall here in Dallas. And they came and that's how she learned to do the folding. Okay. And then got excited and went home and just took off with it. But I think it's all very organic. It's somebody like you, Helen, putting the story out there. And somebody hears about it, and they want to be part of it. And you can be part of it in so many different ways. So I'll give you a couple examples of what people, kids and adults have done this year. Okay. In Illinois, there was a youth group leader who saw Catherine speak in Tennessee last fall. And so she was moved touched and inspired to be part of it. So when she did VBS this summer, the kids did a water walk and they got pledges and they raised over $800 for clean water, which is just incredible. Yeah. There was another VBS group. So VBS is Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School. Listening, you might not know. Yeah. Over uh, near Fort Worth. And so what they did is Isabel came over and taught them how to make butterflies and they made butterflies and then they took donations for them um, at the following church service on Sunday and they raised over $500, which is also great. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There was a boy who this spring for his bar mitzvah, I think this is amazing, but instead of keeping all those financial gifts for himself, he donated to paper for water and that what was that over five thousand dollars i think that he raised almost five thousand dollars for clean water i mean that will make such an impact just absolutely huge yeah and, um just the neatest kid and what a heart to do that uh we had a robotics group uh in new jersey raise some money they um they did a bake sale at school and they also had some origami for donation. And then they put some jars in uh, one of the Nemus Mar- Neiman Marcus store for coins. Uh-huh. I think they raised about a little over $1,000. Just, you know, a few yeah. different ways, a few different projects. Um, we had a, a girl who is nine. And she likes to do artwork and draw. Mm-hmm. So she made some paintings and she raised over $200 with her paintings. So I think you can use any talent gift that you have and just get involved in a way that works. And yeah, I've, I'm so inspired by these kids. Yeah. That's, that's They're just cool. amazing. It's really cool. Yeah. We had a brownie troop 
and they took donations and gave some of their cookie sale money and they raised over $500. So it's a, it, kids really can change the world and they, and they, yeah, yeah. Wow. So let's just talk briefly about the business then. I think you work several hours a week on this, on the project and then you have a part-time person maybe. Yes. And then how many volunteers, if you count them all? Oh, up, gosh. We have several hundred at this point. And do you have them over every week? Do you have like a... Oh, we have a kind of a core adult group that comes every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. um, they come to our house, and we have a great time. Mm -hmm. We work on all kinds of projects, whatever needs to be done. We eat lunch together and, and spend about four hours together. And mm -hmm. they also take home homework and do that during the week. And so they are kind of what I call high level folders. Then we have some families and individuals who they can't make it on a Tuesday during the week, but they do a lot of folding at home or they do it at their churches or with their um, other groups that they belong to. Um, and then we have National Charity League groups. We have four National Charity League groups that volunteer for us. So that's a pool of several hundred kids. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when we did the installation at the Galleria Dallas Mall, we needed 100 people that night to do the installation. And that was the butterflies? That was the butterflies. Okay. So I think probably 30 to 40% of the People who came, came from the National Charity Leagues here in Dallas okay. to help out. Right. So that's great. Anytime we need volunteers where we need a lot of people, they come and, and help out. Right, right. Once a month, we meet uh, with anybody who wants to come and help mm -hmm. and fold origami. We just did that yesterday, and we had about 60 people come most of which we'd never met before. Wow. Uh, we had an entire youth group come from a church in Plano. Uh -huh. And then we had some older women who came and helped, who'd read about us in the newspaper and just had some National Charity League volunteers come. And, and, uh, and so how are you putting the word out, like for that event yesterday? How did those... Uh, that's on our Facebook page, okay. which is Paper for Water. Right. And it's probably on our website also, which paper is paperforwater.org. Right. Right. Okay. Does Ken want to say something? I bet he does. And I think you're in the background. <laughs> He's pretty important, Helen. He puts in a lot of hours. Yeah. And you're a full-time doctor as well. Uh, I am a physician by training, but actually work in physician management, okay. with, uh, healthcare, IT. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so what do you want to say about this amazing... <laughs> where did you learn origami? Did My you... mother. Uh, so she was born and raised in Japan, first-generation immigrant. Uh, I was born in Japan myself, and I'm not exactly sure when I first started folding paper, but would routinely on the weekends uh, meet my mom's Japanese friends and their kids and I would fold origami together. It was just something we did. I think it was around 
maybe seven or eight years old uh, when I first was introduced to uh, Tomoko Fusei's oh, yeah. uh, modular uh, book. Right. And that was just the coolest thing and really got into folding modular origami. And actually, it's, it's kind of funny because my girls t- obviously have done this huge uh, Christmas tree for Neiman Marcus. But somewhere in the early 80s, um, the Macy's Christmas tree uh, in New York City, they had a um, competition or, or request for ornaments to be placed on the tree. So I created a, a three-level origami kusudama um, and, and sent that off, and they accepted it and hung it on the tree. So that uh, I, we'd had history kind of with doing uh, Christmas ornaments that <laughs> extends all the way back to the 80s. Right. Right. Wow. And so tell me a little more about the, the eight month trip that you uh-huh. took last year. Well, so the trip of a lifetime, uh, yeah. my wife and I had been planning it since we got married, essentially. Oh, okay. We always wanted to go and, uh, take off and travel around the world. So we, about 20 years worth of planning. Uh, and, you know, I think when we first envisioned this trip, it was more beach resorts and nice places. And uh, obviously, we didn't have kids when we first started thinking about this. So the idea of going to developing countries and and literally being in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone reception wasn't probably at the top of our list of things to go do. But uh, with, with kids and, and with their project, uh, it was pretty amazing to be in Peru, for instance, where we had to take a float plane and land on a river, and the town we were in was literally a seven-day uh, boat ride from the nearest place you could fly in in a commercial plane or get to get to with a road. Um, and so uh, we were out in the middle of nowhere, literally. Wow. Yeah. And then we take a, another boat from there and go six, seven hours up, up river uh, to places that had never seen a white person before. Mm-hmm. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Wow. What an experience for everyone. Um, and so I don't want to make this too long. So tell me how my listeners can uh, get involved with Paper for Water. So I, through the sale of the 12 months of paper calendar, which Trinity designed the little candy dish for, I'm going to be donating some money. So I hope that my listeners will help out and buy a calendar, but I know there are other ways that they can get involved. And we've mentioned some of them, but let's. So I think uh, there, there are a number of ways to uh, go about doing this. Well, uh, we have a well of the month club, so there are direct donations uh, mm-hmm. that we would love people to participate in. Um, I think if people are uh, thinking about like making ornaments and sending them to us, we have, we have, had people do that in the past, but it's really hit and miss, and it ends up creating uh, a lot more work for us, um, unless they're really, really good. And that's often, I think, hard for individuals to determine, because, of course, people think that their work is really, really great. Right. Uh, <laughs> and that, that's, it's wonderful, I think, that, but that's not always the case. Um, and so, you know, if, if someone's interested in making their own ornaments and having uh, a, uh, like a Christmas fair or some type of holiday fair at their church or um, at their school or something like that and, and sell their own ornaments and, and raise money that way, that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also kind of gets the idea of, of uh, spreads the word about uh, origami and paper for water 
Um, and and just to, it makes it easier for us so that we're not through sorting through lots of pieces of origami. Right. And you, do you sell individual origami ornaments on your website? We have a website. Mm -hmm. And so it's paperforwater.org. And you can um, check, check out our website. Uh, so that's one place. And then we have lots of markets around the DFW Metroplex uh, where we uh, have ornaments uh, for donations. Okay. And tell me about your uh, annual fundraiser. So our annual gala this year is November 7th, and it is uh, going to be located at uh, Providence Christian School of Texas, which is where the kids go to school. It's the first time we've actually uh, had an event there. We're um, looking forward to that. Um, and tickets are for sale on the website, uh, and there's a uh, place there where you can uh, go and find uh, the link to, to purchase tickets. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you all of you for being on this podcast. And um, it's amazing what you're doing. Well, thank you. And I, oh, I forgot that uh, October 1st, uh, the ornaments are going to be available in Neiman Marcus stores. There are 10 stores that are carrying them. And I'm not sure when they're going online, but they'll, you'll be able to buy them through Neiman Marcus there too. Okay. Awesome. Thank right. you. Paper for water. All right. Have a thank great you, day. Hey, paper friends. Did you know that I write a weekly blog called The Sunday Paper featuring stories of people doing exciting, innovative, and beautiful things with paper? Sign up at helenhebertstudio.com blog. I'm also creating a lot of content over here, and the best way to stay up to date is to join my newsletter list to learn about free tutorials, online classes, workshops, and the annual Redcliffe Paper Retreat, which takes place right here at Helen Hebert Studio. You can sign up at helenhebertstudio.com to receive my e-newsletter. This wraps up our episode, and if you enjoyed it, I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review over on iTunes. This helps other people find out about the podcast. Special thanks to Gary A. Hansen for the sound editing and Peter Thomas for the music. Visit helenhebertstudio.com and click on Paper Talk, where you can find out more about them, Subscribe to the series via iTunes and listen to other episodes and access all of the archived shows. I'll talk to you soon. Reason.